When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into a special edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast, episode 115, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Whether you're watching live on Facebook, whether you're watching archived on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud, However, you consume the Tech Sideline Podcast. We're so glad you could join us today as we record on Wednesday morning, February the 5th. Again, it's a special edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We've got Malcolm Stewart. We've got our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, and our special guest today, Virginia Tech head wrestling coach, Tony Roby. Coach, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. How you doing? We're doing well. This is a special edition. We had you on in the fall, and uh, Will, I know we've been looking forward to having Coach on uh, for the last couple of months. This is great. So you know what else is special about this? I just realized this. It's the 115th episode, and I was in the 115th graduating class from Virginia Tech. Wow. And so there's a, there's a cool story uh, – class ring i don't know you know so on the side of my class ring you know they, they design individual rings for each class and roman numerals for 115 is cxv so they just added a t so there's a little same thing on the side of our class rings that says cxvt so i think that's a cool feature that but i just realized that 1872 to 1987 you helped me realize i need to order my class ring i need to take care of that yeah, I'm busy paying for Malcolm's right now. So <laughs> There you have it. Well, again, we've got Coach Tony Roby joining us here. We're going to be talking all about Hokies wrestling, recapping the season, talking about Makai Lewis and Ty Walls. We've got some questions at the end. We've got a great podcast plan. Again, we're so glad you're here, Coach. Uh, a reminder that this week and every week, the Fisher Law Firm is Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with charged with traffic-related offenses. From their office in Blacksburg, they, they are able to serve the entire Commonwealth of Virginia. Whether you are charged with driving under the influence or speeding, the Fisher Law Firm realizes that each case is important to the client. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with a moving violation. For free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031. Or you can email them at info at fisherlegal.com. Again, the Fisher Law Firm, proud partner and sponsors of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Right, worth mentioning here as we get going, I, I feel bad I'm not wearing my Southeast Regional Training Center gear. You've got the great vest on, Will's got the shirt on. That is a great look. Did Coach Roby give you anything yet? Do you have no, anything? I need, to, I need to buy one. That's the thing. All I need right. to buy one. So we'll, I, we'll hook you up. Okay. Yeah, we'll I'll wear it proudly. I mean, that's a, it's, it's a great vest yeah. you got there. See, you see. can read an ad for us just like you read that one. That was pretty impressive. Oh, see, I was they, I actually stumbled over my words, <laughs> but I wasn't too happy with it. But. So the Southeast Regional Training Center is a tech sideline sponsor. So, uh-huh. we, so we, need to, we need to pimp them during the podcast. And uh, so Tech Sideline actually donates to the uh, – southeast regional training center so that that's where my t-shirt comes from i love the logo on that coach that's a really cool logo with the state of virginia there it's a cool shirt and it it fits really well too yeah awesome well uh, coach let's go ahead and and dive right into it. we've got a lot to um to discuss we'll kind of recap the season we're going to talk about some wrestlers but let's lead off with uh, your two wins over the weekend always nice when you knock off the university of virginia as you guys did in charlottesville you go on the road to old dominion um how was your team able to bounce back the way they did this weekend following the loss north carolina well, obviously, you know, it was important for us. I think, you know, North Carolina is, was incredibly disappointing. We, you know, uh, anybody who witnessed that or was there uh, saw it on national television, unfortunately, knows how disappointing it was and how poorly we performed. So uh, it was important for us to come back and to compete well. And um, I felt like for the most part, we competed, we competed well. Um, I would say at, at UVA and Charlottesville, I would say with the exception of heavyweight, I, I really liked the way our guys wrestled. Um, you know, even in some places where we, we didn't come, come out with victories, I felt like our guys competed hard. Um, they did a good job. You know, 25 maybe was a little disappointing there as well. But overall, you know, thought, thought our guys did a good job. And we knew going into that match that it was going to be hard fought. I mean, UVA's got, a, got an improved team this year. Um, so, you know, 
really every dual meet we wrestle, our margin for error is very, very small. So, you know, we had some guys that really stepped up. Cody Hughes stepped up all weekend for us, especially uh, Friday night in Charlottesville. Bryce Andonian had a good win. Uh, B.C. LaPrade had a good win. David McFadden got back to his winning ways and looked a lot more like himself. So I was pleased with the way we competed there. And then, you know, to come back and, and compete again on Sunday. And that's, you know, sometimes that's a difficult thing to do is to, is to go two, two weigh-ins in one weekend on a Friday and a Sunday. We're on the road, Old Dominion's home all weekend, you know, getting ready for us, preparing for us. So, you know, whenever you go and you wrestle a school like Old Dominion, um, somebody who's in state, you're going to get their best punch. Sure. And we definitely got their best punch, and they came out and they wrestled well, and they were very, very prepared for that match. And, you know, they kind of picked up a couple W's on the first half of, of the dual meet that could have possibly went either way. Um, but I felt like our guys did a really good job rebounding and, and wrestled well from 65 to heavyweight. So, you know, overall, pleased uh, pleased with how we competed over the weekend. And, you know, it's back to work this week and preparing for Duke and the, the rest of the season. So tell me about the uh, crowd at Charlottesville. I couldn't get a – it looked to me – so I watched it. I think it streamed out of our ACC Network Extra, and it looked like a good-sized crowd, but I couldn't get a feel for – how many people were there and what the split was between Tech and UVA fans. What did you think? Or do you even notice that kind of stuff? No, I, we definitely do. Yeah. It was uh, it was so they had a they had a great setup. Um, you know, they just used uh, a small part of the John Paul Jones Arena right. and they, they drew a curtain across. So I think the official attendance I looked was about 1,800 people. But it, it felt like there was a lot more than 1,800 people there. I would say, you know, probably half the fans or at least close to half the fans were Virginia Tech fans yeah. so uh, you know we had we had a great showing there and at Old Dominion as well I mean the, the, both of those uh, crowds were probably the best of the year for UVA and definitely I would say at Old Dominion as well and there was several Virginia Tech fans in the house so we we something we greatly appreciate um, every time that we wrestle uh, in this region even when we go to North Carolina we have we have a great fan base and we're represented well um, yeah. in those venues do you feel like when you go on the road do you feel like like in a place like Charlottesville the the faces you see in the tech crowd are they people that travel with you everywhere or do you feel like there are people who are local who are coming out I recognize a lot of the faces yeah uh, definitely there's a lot of people that that I know personally that uh, contribute to our program in some form or fashion obviously we've got this year we have what five or six Virginia guys in our lineup yeah. so a lot of those guys are from central Virginia um, Northern Virginia area, so a lot of their families and their supporters. BC LaPrade's always a, a fan favorite, and he had he's from New Kent near uh, Williamsburg, so he had a big contingent of fans and, and family that were in attendance at, at both of those meets. So, yeah, but it's it's always great to see you know see the VT fans travel with us, and I think it's similar for a lot of sports. I mean, uh, we've got a loyal fan base, and we appreciate their support, and uh, you know they're they're always coming out to support our guys. So it's pretty cool thing yeah. coach uh, you know coming off this weekend again I, you, you mentioned David McFadden I want to talk a little bit about him you know coming off that loss to, to Monday against North Carolina how was he able to bounce back the way that he did what what about his week of preparation really stood out to you and how, how did you feel he bounced back this weekend well I think I think Dave's and this is what I told him after that one of his best qualities and he's been like this since he was a freshman is um, he can turn the page pretty fast and you know I don't know that we'll ever quite know what happened against UNC and against Monday. And obviously uh, his performance there was completely uncharacteristic of, of who David McFadden is sure. and the wrestler that he is. But uh, it happened. And, um, you know, there's nothing we could do about it at that point. And the message that David was, we just have to move forward. Uh, the good thing is, is you're going to get another opportunity to see this guy likely at the at the ACC championships. There's, you know, there's pretty good chance. So um, we have to get back to doing what we're doing right, and and uh, or what what he needs to do correctly to to have success on the wrestling mat. I think maybe he let a couple things get away from him. Um, 
that week, and I think it showed up a little bit. So, you know, Dave turns the page quick, and he's a very, very positive guy. So, um, you, you know, he's had so much success in his career. I don't think it's a, it's a hard sell to, for him to understand how good he is and, and to make sure his confidence is in, is in a good place. So uh, he did an excellent job against a, a formidable guy um, with uh, Cam, Coy. Cam Coy at UVA. Yeah, and last wrestler I want to point out from this weekend before we move on, you brought him up, and, and somebody that I love to talk about on the broadcast is a guy like uh, in, uh, Cody Hughes at 174. You know, I just think a great story, someone who's kind of worked his way up. He's a fifth-year senior, I believe, right, redshirt senior. Right. And uh, my favorite stat on him, he's got the most wins all time in the state of Maine in high school. I think that's a really cool stat. Hmm. But he had two wins this weekend, uh, UVA and ODU. How has he come along this season and been able to contribute at 174, in your opinion? Well, the, first off, the win against UVA ended up being huge. Um, you know, and he had to work really, really hard. And, and, you know, for Cody right now, he's he doesn't put up a ton of points. He's not a guy that can go out and score four or five takedowns in a match. So he's got to find a way to to manufacture some wins and and that's a lot of the times that's just on being gritty and tough and and figuring out ways to win matches and uh, there was a couple situations in that match Friday night where where Cody was uh, very very close to being scored on almost gave up a couple takedowns and and really just through his fight and his effort was able to to fight through those positions and and come out neutral and and then uh, Worked really hard in the third period to to ride his opponent out and and get the two nothing victory. So, um, you know th that win and and I tell Cody this a lot is a lot of the way that he's going to have to win matches this year is just on being gritty and being tough and being stingy and you know figuring out how to win those tough fifty fifty positions where a lot of times it's just about effort and uh, your your will to win. So he came through big for us. Uh, you know, Friday night and then again on Sunday at, at uh, Old Dominion. Yeah, over Vic Marcelli of uh, UVA, that 2 nothing score, 100% right in, that, uh, in the final team score, how important that was. Uh, we're going to talk a lot more about the wrestlers as we kind of continue on the podcast today, kind of get coaches' thoughts. Uh, but one thing I want to do for our, our, our viewers that are watching now, I, I kind of want to take a step back, if you don't mind, and kind of reflect sure. upon this season as a whole and spend a little bit of time on the non-conference slate, just opening up the season with, with Missouri and Northwestern. We'll get to Ohio State in a moment, but uh, this team accomplished a lot in the early part of the season to start things off just your overall assessment of the season right now and the way that you guys started off your 2019 part of the season well obviously I felt like we wrestled well early on um, you know we knew looking at the schedule and, and how it was laid out um, number one we knew we had a really tough schedule and, and there wasn't a lot of uh, easy matches for us so uh Going into November, you know, we felt like we had to be ready, and, and we definitely, I, I think, looking back on it, we're well prepared uh, that time of year, and we're able to get three really good wins. I mean, I, I think looking back on it, uh, Northwestern is is a win that um, mm -hmm. you know was they have a very good team. They're not healthy. They haven't been healthy the whole season, but they were healthy against us. And when they have all their guys in there, um, they're a very very formidable team. So you know we were able to get that W, and we split five five with them. But on the strength of some bonus points by Mitch Moore, we're able to to win that match. And then obviously going up to Ohio State and. Uh, knocking them off was was huge and that's probably the match where we you know for whatever reason we wrestled our best and I don't know you know if it was because we were the underdog if people weren't giving us a lot of credit at that particular point in the season but I felt like our guys went in there with a chip on their shoulder uh, felt like they had something to prove and uh, competed as well as we've competed all year long and, and really uh, when I look at that performance, we had 10 guys that competed really, really well. Uh, since that point in, in a lot of our dual meets, you know, I, I can't say that we've had all 10 guys firing, you know, at their, at their uh, you know, optimum. So for us, that's what we need to get back to. We need to get all 10 guys. And if we can get all 10 guys wrestling to the best of their ability, I think we can do some great things and we can finish this season out really strong but that th those are the kind of efforts that we're going to need um, especially in two weeks at NC State and then the last weekend of the season at, at Pittsburgh. So coach let me ask you a question about that uh, trip to Ohio State. Um, was that the first time you'd seen their facility that they wrestle in now? It, it is yes. If I remember it's a it's a combination wrestling volleyball and Correct. something else they That's do. just wrestling and volleyball. Yeah, uh, I thought it was really neat. What did you think of it? it it's it's smaller. It looked more intimate to me than 
something like a Coliseum setting. Give, give uh, me your thoughts. It's, it's on fantastic. That. I mean, it, it's one of the nicer, maybe the nicest wrestling venue that I've seen. They've got a practice facility that's, uh, you know, it's all in one building. So they're, yeah. they, they practice there, coaches offices, lounge, locker room, um, you know, everything that you can possibly imagine. Their wrestling room is 80 yards long. It's six wrestling mats. It's about, wow. you know, almost three times the size of what we have at Virginia Tech. Yeah. Um, and to be quite honest, the, the, the competition arena, in my opinion, is, is the nicest part of that venue. Um, it seats about 5,000 people. Um, they do a really, really good job with it. It's, you wrestle on a raised platform, so they have uh, all kinds of seating on the floor. Uh, fans are right on top of you. Um, it, was, it was, in my opinion, uh, it rivals Rec Hall, uh, you know, in, in Carver-Hawkeye Arena. Carver-Hawkeye has 16,000 people, so it's a little bit different. But uh, I've wrestled in, or I've coached in all those places. And what Ohio State has right now is uh, really comparable to, to almost anything in the country, especially when you have it on a little smaller scale. Um, yeah. You know, if you're not going to put – 10, 12,000 people in there routinely, uh, you know, a, a five, 6,000 seat arena is really ideal. Yeah. I thought it was pretty neat. Yeah. No, it was really awesome to watch that. And, and let's spend a little bit of time with Ohio state because I mean, like you said, everybody was wrestling so well and I've, I've got the box score here in front of me. I mean, guys like, you know, Colin Girardi with a decisive win in that one and Joey Prada, the upset win at 125, and Cody Hughes, a victory. It just, uh, it was such a thrilling duel to watch. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I take the by we had one guy that didn't wrestle well. That was uh, Dave McFadden. So you, when you go into those dual meets, it, it, it's something – there's a lot of things that are unexpected that happen. I mean, I, I would have never guessed that, that Dave would have lost and that we would have won that as a team. But we had a lot of guys step up, and that's really what you need. And if you look at a lot of these dual meets, a lot of the matches are toss-up matches or swing yeah. matches – are oftentimes decided by one point, one takedown, one situation. So um, if you can come out on, you know, the favorable end in, in uh, a lot of those matches, it's obviously you're, you're going to come out on top as a team. And that's what we didn't do at, at UNC is there was several what I would consider toss-up matches, and they all, for the most part, went in favor of UNC. And, and that's kind of what happens. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what happened at Ohio State. We were able to win a bunch of close matches um, and, and win that as a team. It was a lot of fun. But like I said at the time, it, it's, uh, it's wrestling season's a long season. And, and what you do in November and what you do early in the season is uh, it's great and it's something to build on and it's fun and it's great for our fans and the program. But at the end of the day, we want to be wrestling our best at the end of the year. And that's what we need to try to accomplish. Sure. So what was the score of the UVA meet? Was that 20 to 16? Yes. Is that correct? So you talk about those, those little moments that make a difference. You, you were talking about Cody Hughes earlier winning two to nothing. And, and I remember watching that, and you were talking about where things got dicey for him a couple of times. And, and, and he does the right thing, and it turns out that there are 10 guys wrestling. There, there are 10 matches throughout the night, and what one guy can do in one or two situations literally means a difference between winning and losing. You know, and As a team. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it's a razor, razor thin line between winning and losing those dual meets. I mean, I would have never thought John Boris would have lost against UVA. Yeah. Um, that's one that I kind of had penciled in for us, but he did. Um, so, you know, you, you, you've got, like I said, I mean, you've got to find a way to win those matches. And if, if we're going to have success and we're going to beat NC State and Pittsburgh, you know, those are the things that we have to accomplish in those matches. We need guys to step up and we need to win those, those and we'll, tight matches. We'll talk about the AC slate here in just a moment. I want to just finish up with the non-conference part, though. Just a little bit, talking a little bit more about Northwestern and that duel um, at English Field at Atlantic Union Bank Park, the mat on the mound, the, the first time you guys have done that. And Nearly 3,000 people show up for that duel. and uh, you're, you're So was that in November? That was early November, right? November yeah. 10th. Yeah, second week of November. So the, I, I remember the, the weather was a little sketchy. You know, when you schedule that, you worry. turned out to be great. It was sunny. It was and in I the actually, 60s, I want to say. It was beautiful. In, in, the, in the early part of the meet, when I was sitting in the sun, it, it was kind of hot. So I, I had this question for you. and I'm, um, Did the mat get hot? Because the sun was out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, it actually, it did. We were concerned about that for 
for a period of time. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when we scheduled that, obviously, we had no idea if the weather would cooperate. Um, and it was a home run, right? I mean, we couldn't, the weather couldn't have been better home run, get for, it? for what we were asked for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it was fantastic. Um, initially, we were worried that um, it was going to be too cold, the map might be hard, you know. And then as the forecast progressed and we did a trial run the day before and we took the mat out and we had the heat gun on the mat and um, in the maroon portions of the mat, it was upwards of 85 to 90 degrees. Okay. But that being said, with the breeze, it wasn't an issue at all. It, okay. it really was perfect. We had uh, we built a platform to put underneath the mat, so there was some stability. And uh, really, I, a lot of credit for that whole event goes to our support staff, our marketing, our facilities people for putting that thing together for us. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was fantastic. The the weather was great. Um, I actually had to call my wife and have her bring some sunscreen out um, for me so I didn't get sunburned for the head, right? Yep, yeah. <laughs> Um, is that something you think you'll do again in the future? You know, I was just, I, I'm starting to work on next year's schedule and we'll see how it plays out. You know, we've got to have a mar kind of a marquee home match early in the season um, when the weather could cooperate. The season kind of gets pushed back this year uh, a little bit because we're, we're, our Hokie Open is November 8th. So possibly looking at doing something maybe on November 7th if we can get maybe Ohio State or somebody like that to come down and is willing to do it um, one of those first weekends in November. So yeah. it's kind of wait and see. We'll see how things play out. But um, obviously, if it, if it does work out, it's something we'll strongly consider. And it was just a really cool spectacle. And one thing I didn't realize till afterwards, I went back and watched it, was when uh, Mitch Moore had his pin, his celebration was fantastic. Yeah. He got up and, and, and swung for the fences, and it was just uh, it was, it was just a great overall event. You know he'd planned on that. He was, he was planning that ahead of time. <laughs> probably <laughs> yeah had that in the back of his mind um so let's uh let's let's talk a little bit about the acc slate here moving forward i know this is a question that you probably we talk about a lot you get a lot whether it was a packer and durham but this this acc just continues to get better and better i remember talking about it two years ago and then last year and then this year you've got so many teams in the top 10 just looking at where this conference was five six years ago to now just your thoughts on where this conference is and where it it matches up really in, in the entire country? Yeah, I think I think we're obviously have established ourselves as the second best conference in the country. The Big Ten is great, um, but I think I think if you look at what we have with with only six schools and with the success that we're, you know we're having, NC State, UNC, and Pitt in particular, uh, you know there's. Uh, our, the high end is really good in our conference, and there's really not a lot of fluff uh, in the conference. So in the, to me, when I look at the rosters of a lot of the teams, um, there's, a, there's not a lot of seniors. I mean, I think if you look at what, what those four teams that I mentioned have coming back, uh, they're all going to be better next year, including right. us, um, you know, with, with bringing getting Makai Lewis back in the fold and um, some of these guys we have coming off a red shirt. And, um, you know, so that's exciting. But, yeah, it's uh, – the conference has steadily improved in, in the 14 years that I've been involved in the ACC. And I think the biggest growth that we've seen here is in the last couple of years because now we're seeing the likes of, of UNC and, and Pitt getting significantly better. So, you know, that just adds so much to it. And uh, I think it's just going to continue to grow and can continue to improve. And it's, it's really a good thing. I mean, it's much more competitive uh, than it's ever been. But I think it's going to make all the teams, uh, you know, it's going to enhance recruiting. It's going to enhance a lot of things. Yeah. When you go out recruiting, do, uh, do conversations about the ACC network come up? Is that something that recruits care about, that the ACC now has a network that, that some of these meets will be on? It, it, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a, a, an issue, but it's something that we try to highlight and that we talk about. And I, I do think it's uh, – it's some of the kids, you know, these kids that uh, are were competing with Big Ten schools, they want to, number one, know that they can go and wrestle in front of a lot of people, right? Yeah. So, you know, for us to be able to routinely put three, four thousand people uh, at our matches is, is a big deal. And then um, to have the ability to wrestle on TV, yeah, I mean, it's that's, I think, what every high-caliber recruit is kind of plays into their decision-making at least a little bit. Streaming is such a big thing now. You know, if, if you talked about being on TV 10, 12, 15 years ago, 
it was a big deal. But if, if you really want to, like if you got a wrestler's family and they right. want to see, they'll either be able to watch it on the ACC network or stream it most of the time. Yeah. And then, you know, the ACC network this year in its first year, uh, the, the Friday night duels that they're doing for, the uh, I think, a five-week stretch, six-week stretch. Yeah. seems like that's been great exposure for what's starting and what's going to continue here the next couple of weeks on the ACC network. Yeah, definitely. Um so yeah, we'll be we'll be on the ACC network and hopefully redeem ourselves uh, next Friday night yep. in Raleigh at NC State. Yep. So um, Hokies have Duke this weekend. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Then at NC State at Pittsburgh to close out um, the regular season before uh, ACC's. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the big event this weekend in Moss Art Center. Uh, you guys welcome in Duke. It's your final home duel of the season, which is kind of hard to believe. It feels like it just got going yesterday with Missouri. Uh, I want to ask you this though about the the mat on the mat, uh, not the mat on the mat. Excuse me, the Moss Art Center. How do how was that first pitch to you? Was that an idea that you came up with? And when you first heard about it, were you skeptical at all? And your initial thoughts when you first heard about wrestling in in Moss well, Art we've, Center? We've been doing this for. Gosh, I don't even know how many years it is now, but it's it was. We started when Coach Dresser was here, yeah. um, and really the way it came about is at that time our our uh, sports information director B.J. Johnston. Who I don't know if you guys may remember, yeah, I remember yeah. may remember B.J. Um, his wife worked at the Mars, Moss Art Center, okay. so they were you know th- they were trying to get bring business into the Moss Art Center. And um, he came to us or he came to Coach Dresser with the idea. And Kevin obviously is, uh, you know, he's a guy that's all about promotion and doing unique things. So kind of ran with it from there. And it's just it was so successful. And um, people there was such a demand for it. And it was one of the things that, you know, people are always asking me when the schedule comes out or the year before who, you know, who are we wrestling? When's the Moss Art Center trying to plan their trip? back to Blacksburg around the event at the Moss Art Center. So it's been a huge success. We've tried to add one or two little things, wrinkles to it from a production standpoint, a marketing standpoint every year to, to enhance it uh, you know, for our fans. And I think we've been really successful doing that. And it's, you know, it's already sold out. So, you know, it's, uh, it's something we'll continue to do. It's something that's uh, been a great success for Virginia Tech Wrestling. Well, uh, you got to go to it last year. And last year was my first year getting the chance to call it. It is just such a unique event it is so loud it is just so much fun to be a part of yeah it's uh i sat up and you know the, there's the floor and then there's the mezzanine and the balcony and i don't remember which is which i think the mezzanine's probably in the middle and i was in the balcony all the way up top i think in the front row so it's just a really good you you get a um you get a perspective on angles and things like that that you might not get sitting in castle depending upon where you sit in castle and, and this is true really of anywhere you sit but uh if I remember correctly, they also had the video board in the back. So it's it's one thing to look at the wrestlers on the floor and another to be able to see the detail on the video board. And they they bring out, I think, high techs and cheerleaders. Yeah. And, you know, it's a it's just a cool event. And it sold out, I think, literally in the last few days. They, they sold the last few tickets. Um, so that's great. And uh, when, when we were helping you guys promote it, we were running ads for you on Tech Sideline. Uh, the, the way I put it out on Twitter was I said, if you've never been to this, it's it's a it's a yeah. neat, unique event. If you've never been to it, grab yourself a ticket and go. So uh, it's, it's good that they've got it sold out again. This yeah, year. and it's the the venue itself is it's just an incredible venue. Yeah. Um, and and obviously wrestling in there is very unique. In my opinion, it's the most unique uh, venue in, in college wrestling. Um, you know, the pictures that you know, that are produced from that thing are just unbelievable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're fortunate. I mean, it, it's different, um, you know, when it's loud, it's really loud. But then when it's quiet, it's very, very quiet in there. <laughs> so you kind of have to be careful what you say on the bench a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, That's true. So, but no, it's been, it's been a success for us. Um, I know our guys love uh, wrestling over there. It's, it's uh, something they get excited about. And uh, we've had a lot of success wrestling there as well. You know, it was really cool last year after uh, they wrestled them all start center. It was at Darren Ravel actually tweeted about it uh he formerly of espn he's like their business he was their business guru but uh he has over uh, a million followers on twitter and was tweeting about how nice. cool the venue was and so that that was yeah. really unique. Th- that's funny that you say that about having to watch your language because those things are designed to where whatever you say on that stage will carry up into the stands <laughs> Uh, again, so you guys have Duke this weekend, um, and I don't—I know you don't want to look too far ahead, but definitely, uh, um, 
a three-week stretch coming up that's going to be very important with Duke and then at NC State and at Pittsburgh. It's going to be a fun three weeks, but challenging, I'm sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. You know, looking at looking ahead to uh, to, to NC State and, and Pittsburgh, um, you know, those dual meets to me are very similar to, to UNC. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of it's about matchups in, in our sport is, is how do you match up uh, with other teams, and uh, for us, it's gonna, they're both going to be great dual meets because there's going to be a lot of matches if, that are going to come down to one or two points. They're going to be really, really tight, really close. Uh, looking at NC State at 184, Hunter Bolin, yeah. who's ranked second in the in the country, uh, will match up with Trent Hydley, who's ranked third in the country. David McFadden's got one of the Bowler brothers, who's you know had a lot of success, is a very good wrestler. So, um, you know. Those those matchups are going to be critical in determining the outcome of of that match. So, um, you know, I think when you look at it, there's very few matches that are going to be uh, that have a chance of being major decisions or that are going to, um, you know, be not that competitive. So, you know, and you look at the same thing against Pitt, too. So. Uh, that's the beauty of the ACC right now, and, and and if you're an ACC wrestling fan, I think it makes it really exciting to watch these dual meets. So, um, yeah, we're we're fired up about it. We're we're fired up to get down to Raleigh and and compete, and uh, obviously get through Duke first this weekend at the Moss Art Center. But uh, closing this season out the right way and and feeling good about it. Absolutely, uh, we're gonna we've got Coach Tony Roby joining us here, a special edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast, talking about the schedule. What I want to do now is transition and talk about some individual wrestlers, which I'm really excited to talk a little bit about Makai Lewis and his Olympic redshirt year, and we're going to do that on the other side of our timeout here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. When we come back, we talk about Makai Lewis, Hunter Bolin, David McFadden, and more right here on the Tech Sideline Podcast, proudly presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Your official law firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Welcome back into the Tech Sideline Podcast, episode 115. We're so glad you're with us. We've got Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes producing on our podcast set, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, on your podcast host, Evan Hughes. We've got Virginia Tech head wrestling coach, Tony Roby. Coach, we're glad you're still with us. And uh, what I want to do now is really just kind of dive in. I, I One thing I love about researching your wrestlers is there's so many good stories about each of these guys, and they all have a story to share. Um, and so kind of break them down and get your thoughts on what it's like to coach some of these guys. But before we talk about some of the guys in the lineup this year, would love to spend some time talking about Makai Lewis and Ty Walls right now and what they're up to and Makai and his Olympic redshirt year. Um, how has that been going for them so far? I know Makai is, is, is stationed in Blacksburg, right? That's his, his home base, so to right. speak. But um, how has the Olympic redshirt year been going for him and how's Ty Walls doing as well? It's going well. Um, they're actually both out in Colorado Springs right now at the Olympic Training Center. I think they're spending 10 days out there um, preparing for the Olympic team trials, which are early April in State College at Penn State. So um, I I think it's been really successful. You know, the the senior nationals, formerly called the U.S. Open, um, Makai was second there. uh, Ty was third. Makai... Got to the finals, and, you know, I, I really lost to a guy that he had beaten previously. And, you know, freestyle's a different animal than folk style a little bit. He gave yeah. up one four-point move on the edge of the mat and kind of determined the outcome of the match. But um, I know a lot of our fans aren't used to seeing Makai lose. Um, and, he, you know, he's, he's wrestled very, very well, but he has taken some losses. He went over to Dagestan, Russia, and, and placed fourth in a great event over there. Um, he was he – was uh, second at the U.S. Open, uh, he took fourth at the Bill Farrell uh, in New York City. So uh, this has been a great learning experience for Makai, and I, I think long term, this is really going to uh, benefit Makai in his his run uh, to win world and Olympic medals. Not only this year, but down the road. Sure. And I also think he's going to come back as a, as an even better folk style wrestler. So it's been, you know, at times it's it's a little bit difficult. I know for Makai, 
that he likes to be with the team. He, he, he truly likes, you know, collegiate style or folk style wrestling more than he likes freestyle wrestling. So I know that he's excited to get back in and, and start wrestling, um, wrestling for Virginia Tech again. So I think in that aspect, it's been a little bit challenging for Makai. And it's different. You don't compete every week in freestyle. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's long gaps in between your competitions. You can go five, six, seven, eight weeks in between your competitions. So um, it's different, especially for a young kid. Makai's 20 years old. So um, he's learning a lot through this process. I think he's had an opportunity to travel to some great places, some, you know, in terms of wrestling, uh, to be around some unbelievable competitors and learn from them, uh, spend a lot of time at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs. So, uh, yeah, overall, been pleased with Makai, especially, I think, since the U.S. Open, um, just kind of watching his demeanor and his attitude and his uh, approach to how he's doing things on a daily basis. So uh, he's in a good place uh i felt like ty walls at the u.s open competed as well as he's competed in a long time um especially uh domestically he's had you know he's almost had more success when he goes internationally than than against some of the domestic guys and i don't know if that's just because they know him and they know his style maybe a little bit more but um you know ty's a pro he, he he's all in on his development and getting better at wrestling just completely focusing on the process of improvement all the time so um, it's great for our program too because those guys go out to Colorado Springs they're exposed to the best some of the best wrestlers and coaching in the world and then they bring a lot of that back to our uh, our wrestling room at Virginia Tech and, and help our athletes with what they learn yeah and hearing what you're saying about Makai I mean I can only imagine you're talking about the Olympics for years to come but I mean when he comes back to Virginia Tech too just all of this experience I mean this has just got to be unbelievable for him yeah I think it is I mean I think and I think Makai is uh, he's improving or he's made an effort to improve in some areas that I think he needed to improve in to continue to progress as a wrestler um, and just generating some more of his own offense working on his leg attacks um, those kind of things this year has been really good for him in, in that sense so um, we're excited, obviously, to get Makai Lewis back in a Virginia Tech uh, singlet next right. next season, but uh, you know I, I think it's been a it's been a good thing for Makai uh, in his development. So I, I sit here and think about a guy like Makai who won a national championship and now is being exposed to all this and learning even more and getting even better. How many of his contemporaries, and I'm talking in the same weight class, guys that he's going to see again in college wrestling when he comes back? How many of those guys are going through the same process and growing in the same ways? I, I don't know that there's any direct competitors of Makai that I can think of. There's several really good wrestlers that are taking Olympic red shirts this year. So it's 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 kind of a weird year in Division One wrestling because there are so many guys like the national champs or guys that are national champion caliber wrestlers that are taking Olympic red shirts. Michigan's got... I think three guys, um, you know, that had the ability to win national titles or Olympic redshirt and Cornell's Olympic redshirting three guys, uh, Oklahoma State's Olympic redshirting Dayton Fix, who's you know got the ability to win the NCAA. So, uh, in that sense, yes, there are several guys that are that are uh, experiencing the same things. A lot of those guys are different weight classes and aren't direct competitors of Makai at this particular point. So it's not like there's five or six other guys in his weight class who are going through. No, the same. He, he's the only. He's really the only one yeah. that still has NCAA eligibility. Nice. Yeah. Is uh, Yanni Diakmahals is he Olympic redshirt this yes. year? Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so that's great to hear about Makai and Ty. Thanks for taking some time and uh, updating everyone. It was cool to see him. He was at the uh, North Carolina Duel, I believe. He came over to the Correct. broadcast table, and it's it's just really cool to see him interact with um, the fans. And uh, he came over during um, um, Boland's weight class versus UNC and was on for the entire weight class. And he got up, and as soon as he got up, the fans right behind the broadcast table, three of them, can we get your selfie, Makai? Do you mind taking a picture? I mean, he uh, he really is a, a celebrity here in Blacksburg, and he could not be any nicer and, and, and more humble about it, to be is totally honest. Is he getting more comfortable with that celebrity status? Because he's a pretty quiet guy. He is. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's still a quiet guy, and I don't think he loves it or would choose it, but he's accepted that that's part of, you know, it's just part of the deal for him at this point, and he's going to have to do things. And to his credit, um, he's he's very open to – 
uh, doing things that maybe he's not super comfortable with. Yeah. And, and that's the only way you grow and get better at those things. And I think he's he's grown a lot in those areas and he's gotten a lot better at, you know, getting up and talking in front of people and, and doing interviews. And uh, so, he you know, whether he wants to be or not, he's the face of Virginia Tech wrestling. And, and it's something that he's going to have to continue to deal with. But like I said, I yeah, he's he's always uh, very accommodating. He's an incredibly humble guy. You very rarely will ever hear him say anything about himself, uh, you know, in an arrogant way or in a bragging way. Um, you know, he's just all about business and coming in and doing work. And, you know, I think he really just loves the competition side of, of, of what he does. And he's yeah. just a, he's that kind of person. I mean, he loves to compete. He loves to win. Um, and he's willing to do the work necessary to do that. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts we've ever done in our 115 episodes was when we got to sit down with with you and Makai what two days after his national championship and uh, I just remember was, he had the hat on and we had just started doing video and I was like Makai can you can you can you do the show without the hat and he took the hat off at first and he's like no I gotta have the hat on you know because yeah. he he's very particular it. about his hair <laughs> <laughs> he's very particular about his hair so I think that probably had more to do with it than anything the dude shy okay yeah. Yeah. so uh, let's transition I want to talk about a couple of wrestlers and I really want to spend some time as well talking about the season that Hunter Boland's having for you guys at, uh, I mean he's 21 and 1 he's ranked number 2 in the country in just about every poll um, what has he done this season to make him one of the best in his weight class in the entire country I think the the transition from Hunter's freshman year, redshirt year to this year has just been his overall commitment to to wrestling. And I, I, I think not that he wasn't committed as a freshman. I mean, Hunter Bolin's as tough as they come. His work ethic is fantastic. But I, I think wrestling has just become a much larger part of his life. And it's something that he... Um, is with him all the time. And I don't know as a freshman, I think he came in and he worked his butt off when he was there, but I don't know how much thought he was putting into wrestling outside of those hours we were, you know, in Castle Coliseum in the wrestling room. So the biggest change for Hunter um, in, in a, a big part of his success has just been the 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 100 commitment to what it takes to be successful um, at, at the sport, and that's the, the the mental side of things. That's the you know the lifestyle side of things in terms of getting the an adequate amount of rest. I mean, Hunter he loves to hunt and fish, and he only he, he has his own landscaping business that he you know really? that he does in in the off season. So he's uh, which is great, but at the same time, that's not always conducive to what's best for the sport of wrestling. Sure. So I think that he's really narrowed his focus a lot to really focus on on the sport of wrestling. And, and uh, you know, he's just done a great job developing his wrestling skills, too. Um, I mean, when I watched Hunter in high school, you know, there was I was fortunate. I've been able to be around Hunter since he was really in middle school and right. started he's from Christiansburg, right? Christiansburg, Christiansburg Cowboy, right? That's yeah. his name. <laughs> yeah. So he he's actually from Floyd. Okay. Um, and they moved to Christiansburg, so he'd go to Christiansburg High School. But um, you know, I've been around Hunter for a long, long time. Know his family really well. Um, and I think the biggest uh, difference in his wrestling now in his freshman year is he's just. Uh, he, he's developed his leg attacks a lot better. His top game has gotten much better, and he's in, in, in turn scoring a lot more points um, than he did his freshman year. He kind of had a he had to win on toughness and will and desire a lot his freshman year, and now he can go out and put up a bunch of points. And he's not just beating guys; he's majoring a lot yeah. of guys. You look across the boards. I mean, you're right, majoring a lot of guys, putting up a lot of points. And you know, his, his lone loss came at, at Cliff Keen, and he avenged that in the third place match. Right. So, uh, and, and we talked about that and kind of worth bringing it up because I love that conversation we had in, in early December. When he went out to the Cliff Keen at 184, you told me one thing that stuck with me was how that was almost like a mini NCAA tournament itself, how it kind of replicated with so much talent in his weight class there. Which, which segues into a question I have for you. Where do you see him being seated when the NCAAs... I, I mean, it's, he still has, the, I mean, he, there's still so much in front of him right now right, with, yeah. with the competition that he's going to see. So, I mean, if he wins out, um, he'll probably be the second seed. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. I would be shocked if he wasn't. 
um, assuming that the guy from Arizona State, who's you know two-time defending NCAA champion, mm-hmm. wins that as well. But um, so he's at least a junior, right? <laughs> the Arizona State guy. Oh, he's a senior. Good. Okay. So, but um, yeah. So that I don't know. I mean, I'm not overly concerned yeah. about that, but that's kind of where he's at. But we we have to just focus on taking care of business. Um, you know, at, at NC State, at, at at Pitt, and then at the ACC. Well, and, and from a national standpoint, Hunter. I, I, Probably shouldn't say this, but Hunter's got plenty of time. He's just a redshirt sophomore, yeah. So uh, time is always now, though. Will well, right. you know that's true because you never know what's going to happen, right? You know, mm-hmm. but uh, if if things go well, he will have more than one opportunity. But but Dan Marino will tell you, you know, sometimes you're young and and you're there on that big stage and and you think you're coming back and it and it never happens again. So the Dolphins right. fan of Will Stewart coming out, Dan Marino. <laughs> yes, sir. That's my sophomore year in college, and I thought the Dolphins would be playing plenty of Super Bowls after that, but no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to uh, would love to spend some time talking about Bryce Andonian too at 149, and uh, was in the middle of his of his uh, redshirt season. Was off to a great start, and he starts against Chattanooga. He knocked off a guy who actually was an NCAA uh, tournament qualifier in his first start of the dual season. What gave you and your coaching staff the confidence to put him into the lineup, and what has he shown you since he's uh, had that start against Chattanooga? Well, we we knew Bryce was incredibly talented, um, and I felt like I, I I felt like Bryce is one of those guys that I don't know. I I think a red shirting is great uh, for some kids, but I felt like for Bryce, just being in the thick of things is is better for him and his personality, and I think it's gonna. Uh, I think long term it's going to help him. Um, short term, you know, that remains to be seen. But uh, I, I think do think long term it's the best decision for him. Um, you know, Bryce needs to be in the fire. He's a competitor. He, that's the kind of kid he is. So, um, you know, we knew talent wise, and and still Bryce's talent is off the charts. Um, he needs to be consistent. You know, the one area that he struggled with. You know, he looked great Friday night against. Uh, UVA and then came back on Sunday and, and quite frankly didn't didn't wrestle very well you know and and uh, I think lost to a guy that he's capable of of beating for sure so it was a little disappointed in that and I guess that's part of being a freshman I mean, I've said this before Bryce is he turned 18 in August so he's he's a really young kid and you know if you look at him he looks young and he's immature so um, there's going to be some growing pains with that but uh you know, for him, his he, he's got all kinds of offense. He can score a lot of points. Defensively, he needs to continue to work and improve and get better. And and uh, you know, there's a couple positions right now that are really hurting him, and they're they're uh, determining the outcome of the match. But he's he's fun to watch, and he's the potential is off the charts, and and the ability is uh, you know is exciting. Yeah. Do you recall where he was ranked coming out of high school? He was ranked high. I mean, he, he was, was very high. Yeah, he's I mean, out of Ohio, right? Top twenty. He's like twenty third overall. Kirtland, Ohio, if memory serves correct. Yeah, he went to St. Ed. Yep, and that's the same school as um, it was uh, Ty Walls. Yep, yep, and Cody Howard. So Cody Howard, mm-hmm. I had a class with Cody Howard. Nice guy. Um, and uh, one one more here before we we do have some questions here. We're going to close up the uh, podcast with uh, that were submitted before the podcast starts. One guy, I think you said this at the beginning, and he really is a fan favorite. Is, is BC Lapratt? It just seems like he just the way he goes about himself on on social media, and he has fun with the mullet and the what uh, what's he like to coach? A guy like BC Lapratt, having him in the wrestling room. Interesting. He's an interesting <laughs> guy. Now uh, BC, I love BC. I, I'm probably. From a relationship standpoint, me and BC are, are pretty close, um, you know, and we've been through some ups and downs. So sure. um, BC is a strong-willed guy, um, for sure. He's bullheaded, and uh, we've butted heads a lot over the years. And uh, it's been fun to watch him grow and mature and and really starting to develop. And, and uh, I'm excited about BC LePrade. He lost a tough match at Old Dominion. Yeah, but right. the, the one thing about BC – is I always feel good about his, you know, his fight and his effort for the most part. You know, there's only a handful of matches where I can think of where I was disappointed with the effort that he gave when he went out there. Um, he's a tough guy. He's, a, you know, he can perform well when when he's, uh, you know, when he gets himself, we call getting yourself in the red and he gets tired. He, he's usually at his best 
when he gets in those kind of matches that are, you know, both guys are winded and, you know, he gets into a war is when he does his best wrestling, when he stands around and he tries to make it, you know, who's a, who's a slicker wrestler with more technical skills that doesn't really benefit him. So uh, from a style standpoint, we it's similar to my style of wrestling when I was in college. So I think awesome. we have a bond there. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to see how he can finish this. I, I really think BC can accomplish some really good things for us. What, what year is he? He's in his fourth year. Fourth year. Yeah, so he's graduating. Um, he's actually going to go through senior night on Saturday, but yeah, he's likely going to come back and finish his fifth year and just trying to figure out what his degree is going to be and in which direction he wants to go academically. Good for him. Um, okay, all right, let's uh, let's transition now, Coach UK, with a couple questions here. Certainly, from yeah. uh, but We put it on our wrestling boards, which I tell you what, we have some – Big time Virginia Tech wrestling fans on the Tech sideline wrestling board. As I see a smile, and, and over occasionally from Will. the newbies wander over and learn a few things as yeah. well. Guys I, like me, um, you so want to do the questions? Well, I, I will do them. So, uh, message board poster upper quad. Uh, um, I think we've asked you this before. I, I don't quite recall though. What's the future of ACC wrestling? Are there any growth plans? Are there any current members that you think might add the sport? Um, can schools be added for wrestling only? That's also a possibility. Uh, as far as adding the sport of wrestling, you know, when it comes to Title IX considerations, I just don't think that's um, likely to happen for a school to add a men's sport. Um, it's it, it tends in to be, today's climate. It's you know, certainly it's something that's hard to be overly optimistic about um, because they generally have to add a women's sport at the same correct. time. Yeah. Right. So Ho- hopefully, um, my hope is that. You know, this ACC network um, could possibly help in just a lot of people getting excited about wrestling and, and seeing the following that it can create um, maybe for some of these other institutions. But you're right. I mean, it's it's a difficult thing. You know, I mean, there's a lot of wrestling programs being added at the, the, the lower levels, the NAIA, the Division three, even Division two in some cases. And a lot of those are enrollment-driven schools. So uh, they start wrestling, and they get 30, 40, 50 more students. At, at this. Roanoke College just announced that they're going to add wrestling. So there's, uh, there's a lot of growth in wrestling at the, at the lower levels. But in terms of Division one, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – I, gosh, you know, since a Power Five Division One school has added the sport of wrestling, um, it's been a long, long been time. Been a while. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next one is Pylons. Is that actually his name? Just Pylons. Pylons. Okay, that works. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are the possibilities at 165 and 174 next year? So, kind of break that down for us. And specifically, is there, is there any chance that Makai joins the 174 weight class? We, we, it's something that we've discussed as a staff. I, I, I think there's a chance that Makai could go up. Um, it, it, it's hard. I do think he'll be a 74 pounder eventually. But it's hard to predict. Makai, when he's not training, he gets pretty big pretty fast. And it's Mm. not always great weight, but um, he gets up to 185 real easy. But when he gets in training mode and he's uh, being disciplined with what he's putting in his body and his nutrition and drinking a lot of water, he typically can get down to weight relatively easy. I anticipate Makai will have at least one more year at 165. And then beyond that, I think there's – two years from now maybe a chance that he could he could possibly move up so i mean I, right now when we're kind of putting our lineup on paper and making some projections uh we probably see makaya 165 at least for one more year okay all right so let's give uh i, I like this question so we'll, we'll we'll give upper quad another shot his second question will borst be a 197 or heavyweight next year it's a good question i think he could go either way um, you know, we'll kind of have to see how things shake out and, um, you know, maybe what's the best for the team. John, uh, on a heavy day, weighs about 230. On a light day, he weighs about 220 and a low, two, you know, 222, 223, something like that. So he certainly could go back down to 97. I, I personally think that heavyweight's a good place for him, though. Uh, I think John's he's a better athlete than most of the heavyweights that he wrestles. I don't think the size puts him at a huge disadvantage um, that often. I think he actually may sometimes does better against some of the bigger guys because yeah. he's he just moves so well. Right. Um, but yeah, I anticipate John will probably be at heavyweight next year. Is, is my guess, but you know that's it's certainly something that could be on the table. 
All right, VT Dante, how are the red shirts progressing? So, so talk about guys that aren't necessarily visible. How's, how's, that's going? how's that going? Well, I know a lot of people want an update on Connor Brady, um, who was a blue-chip guy that has and he wrestled a little bit early for us, and he just um, he's, has an injury that he's coming back from. He, will not, we, he won't compete for till next year. Wow. Um, but we're excited about Connor. Um, he, you know, from what we saw from Connor before the injury sidelined him, um, he's got a chance to be really good for us. You know, right. he had some success in some open tournaments, um, lost to some older guys that are pretty good. You know, in, in some tight matches. But uh, he's, I think, somebody that's going to be a contributor next year for us, and and is going to be really good. Uh, the guy that we're probably most excited about based on his redshirt year is Sam Latona at mm-hmm. 125. I mean, Sam's mm-hmm. had an outstanding freshman campaign. You know, he's won a bunch of open tournaments. Most recently, he won the App State Open. He wrestled in the Southern Scuffle um, right around New Year's and ended up placing third at the Southern Scuffle, and that's one of the better tournaments uh, throughout the course of the regular season. Lost a match to a kid named Nick Piccanini from Ohio or from Oklahoma State, who's a two-time All-American, ranked fourth, third or fourth in the country, and quite honestly, easily probably should have went to overtime in that match. So um, you know he's he's gotten better as the years went along too. He's now starting to widen the gap against guys he wrestled earlier in the season and is getting major decisions and. Um, somebody who I think has got a chance to be really good. He's got the right mentality. He's got a huge motor. He goes out and attacks and wrestles a style of wrestling that is conducive to success at the NCAA tournament and, you know, is conducive to, to being, I think, a guy that can be a four-time All-American for us. I think wow. he's really good. So, you know, those are the two guys that, you know, kind of stand out and obviously having Makai back. Yeah. And um, Corbin Myers is also um, – uh, he's gonna. Corbin's a, in his fifth year, but he's uh, he's eligible to apply for a six year of eligibility. And the plan with Corbin is is to to apply for. You can't apply for that until after the season. And and uh, right. I think he's got a very good. You, you never know. The NCAA will make that determination. But I think he's got a very good chance at uh, at getting a six year and being back with us next year. And where does he come in? Is he at one thirty three? He's one thirty three. Yeah. Okay. So that that's an answer that Ron VPI a question that Ron VPI wanted answered. So, so discussing the red shirts, let's let's go one class further back. So Casey Dale wants to know, you know, congrats on the number two recruiting class in the country, um, and kind of a long question, uh, but there's a there's a similar vein through. Does the staff anticipate redshirting everyone, or could you see one or more of them coming coming in contributing as a starter? If yes, which ones can you see getting starting as true freshmen? That, that's that's a difficult to project, but take a shot at it. Yeah, I think um, I think 174 is a weight class where you could see a true freshman starting for us next year. Yeah. Um, other than that, it, it, hard to say, right? It's hard to say, you know, because all these guys, you, you just don't know if they're ready yet either right now because we haven't been around them. They're still in high school. I mean, they're they're doing incredible things at the high school level. But you get to college, and it's a whole different ball game. So, and that's true of all sports. You never know how kids are going to react when they take that step up to the next level. And I know you've seen this in wrestling. You've seen guys that had a lot of promise that they get into. I consider wrestling to be either the most difficult collegiate sport or or one of the most difficult to participate in. It's the most difficult because of the demands. <laughs> and then there are guys that just can't make the jump. And you never know. Recruiting is a funny game. And there's kids that you think are going to be great, and on paper they're great, and sometimes they don't ever reach their full potential. And then there's guys that, you know, kind of come out of nowhere that you would have never predicted were going to have that level of success, and they end up doing great things for you. So, I mean, Jared Hott is a a guy I talk about all the time who wasn't a highly touted recruit and was a three-time All-American uh, was second in the country for us, so a lot of it, a lot of, a lot of their success once they get there, get to college, um, you know, is going to be determined by their commitment, their desire, their work ethic. Um, you know, how important is wrestling to them at, at that particular point in their lives, and are they willing to commit 
uh, everything that's necessary to be successful. So, I mean, that's what's exciting about a guy like Sam Latona is because, I mean, he's, you know, in, in, you know, out of that freshman class, he was probably the lowest, one of the lower ranked guys, but um, it's just so darn important to him and he wants to win so bad and he just lives it and he, you know, his commitment to it every day, it's gonna, that can, that's going to help you accomplish a lot of great things. So we've sat here and we've talked about some of the guys that are already in the program. You've got some really promising guys, redshirt sophomores. Makai's going to be still relatively young eligibility-wise when he comes back. It sounds like you're you're building a, a pretty good foundation for the coming years. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I feel like when I look at next year, I, I feel really good about what we have we'll have next year. Yeah. Um, you know, I just know I, I know what we have in our room right now that's not in our lineup and yeah. you know when we and listen we we got we've got a lot of really good guys coming back too right um that i think you know but but when you can add that kind of depth you can you know have one or two more really good guys and you know i mean it's just if you look at dual meets you know you throw a couple more good guys in there it, it, you're gonna win a heck of a lot more dual meets and um I, I yeah i feel great about where where the future of our program is with some of the young guys that we have um in the lineup i'm really excited about next year and and i think what we'll uh what we'll have but you know there's a lot a lot of ground to cover between now and then and we've got to stay healthy and um guys have to continue to improve and you know but uh yeah it's exciting times so we got two more questions. We'll ask the downer question first, and then finish on a on a on a better question. So uh, let me read this one. I don't know how to pronounce this username. <laughs> N A F. Oh, it's Hokey Fan backwards. So Hokey Fan backwards wants to know uh, how how did the coaching staff and the wrestlers handle post UNC the loss to UNC because you'd won you'd won every duel up till then, right? Including some big ones. Yeah, it was. Listen, it was it was disappointing. I mean, it was as uh, disappointing of a performance that that I can remember that we've had. Yeah. Um, and then obviously it's magnified by the fact that it was there was forty three hundred people there. It was on national TV. Um, it was you know for me as a coach, we missed an opportunity to um, you know to kind of continue to raise the profile of Virginia Tech wrestling. And you know credit to UNC, they they were ready. We we weren't. And there's there's reasons that you can probably point to that didn't help us, um, but you know I've never really been in the business of making excuses, um, and we just didn't get it done. Bottom line, but is in terms of how we reacted, I, 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 to me, this could hopefully be the best thing that happened to us if, if we use it the right way, um, and we it brings us together, and I think it. Uh, is a wake-up call for some of our guys and and you know there was probably some hurt feelings in that meeting after the UNC match and we were very direct and blunt in terms of some of the changes that need to be made with certain individuals so um, you know if they take that to heart and they make those changes and I and, and I know in a couple cases I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of progress a, a lot of uh, guys doing the right things guys making changes since that match and you know hopefully that's the case but uh you know it was it was definitely something that we were disappointed in for sure so in a scenario like that where you you you're talking to individual wrestlers and telling them where they need to improve and and you know what they could have done better is that a conversation that occurred in front of the whole team or are these one we typically meet we know we meet the the the, uh, the 10 starters and the coaches meet after Mm-hmm. after the match and yeah we talk about it you know? right. so yeah it's uh, a lot of it's in front of their peers um so yeah it's uh we, we lay it all out there it's such an interesting sport because it's so individual individual but yet what you do as we talked about earlier affects the team what what you do in any given moment sure. in your match could mean the difference between the team winning and losing sure you know and that being said with unc you know i i think we did a really good job of just like I said, with Dave McFadden, we, we, you know, we talked about it. We were honest about it. It was, you know, we, we didn't sugarcoat it, but then we moved on the next day. Right. And, and, you know, we always talk about starting back at even every week. And, you know, we started back at even and got back to work. And, you know, there's like, once it's over, it's over. All you can do is learn from it. And yeah. at that point, um, there's nothing we could do. So we have to take the good from it and then move forward. And, and hopefully it helps us down the road. Okay, last question. Uh, W-A-S-R-A-S, Wazriz. Um, don't know where that comes from, but he's, he's been on our boards a long time. Potential for new 
regional training center staff additions after the season. And I would kind of like to broaden that to just kind of ask how things are going with the uh, SERTC uh, fundraising. How's that going this year? And just talk about are you, are you growing and what are your plans for it? Yeah, no, it, it, the, the fundraising for the SERTC has really gone great. Um, yeah. Really since I've taken over, I feel like. And it was, you know, had trending that way even before that. But um, we've got a lot of people behind us. Our numbers are good. We've got a lot of people that are supporting it. I think what we're doing on tech sidelines, uh, it helps us a lot and it raises the awareness of what the Southeast Regional Training Center is and why it's important. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we we can always, you know, when you look at what some of these uh, regional training centers, the money, kind of money they're raising, um, it's a necessity and we need to continue to grow that and and, uh, improve in that area. But uh, I'm comfortable and confident with the direction we're going um, from that standpoint. As far as bringing guys in, uh, David McFadden's a, you know, a fifth-year senior. He has aspirations to wrestle internationally freestyle. Um, there's probably a very good chance that David McFadden will stick around and be part of our regional training center. Um, I'd like to bring in at least one other guy, but... To me, it's, and I've said this before, I I really like the idea of building the training center uh, primarily with Virginia Tech guys, with our athletes and people that understand our system and and that we know intimately and we know well and we know that are going to be positive uh, to the culture and the environment that we have at Virginia Tech. So uh, there's always, we're always on the lookout to bring in the right kind of guys and we've we've been in communication with one guy outside of our program that's a possibility for us we'll see how that plays out it's hard to say um you know but we've also talked about maybe bringing in an rtc coach that specifically just coaches our rtc athletes so that's something that is is um a possibility for us as well all right so to donate to the southeast regional training center give us the rundown on how you do that well, first of all, it's a 501c3, so um, the donations are tax deductible. Um, if you want more information on the Southeast Regional Training Center, you can go to southeastrtc.com. We've got videos on there that kind of tell you exactly what it is, why it's important. Uh, you can also contact me at any point to learn more about the Southeast Regional Training Center. But you can just go to the, the website, again, that's southeastrtc.com. And you can give online, you can donate monthly, you can do a one-time donation. Um, if you're going to send a real big check, send it in the mail so we don't have to pay the credit card fees on it. Right. Um, yeah, that 3% adds up. That's a great up. point. Yeah. So, um, so anyways, yeah, all the details are on there, you know, and, and also, you know, if people are interested in learning more, uh, feel free to contact me. I'm the director of the Southeast Regional Training Center. And, uh you know, anytime we have an opportunity to promote it, to talk about it, to educate people on it and the importance of it, we, you know, we try to take advantage of that. So, and, and something else I think I think would help people is if you Google, you know, we did an article on it uh, years ago saying what it is, what it does, what it means to the program. And, and that's what they call evergreen content that, that is always true. Um, so just Google Southeast Regional Training Center Tech Sideline, and that'll bring up articles, an article for you that you can read and understand what they do with at the Southeast Regional Training Center and what it means to the program. Awesome. Well, that's all the questions, right? That is it. Uh, thank are, you to everybody for uh, jumping on the boards and asking some questions. Coach, we're just over an hour, and I know on a uh, busy week like it is this week with Duke coming into town, thank you so much for taking some time spending with us here at the Tech Sideline Podcast. This was great. We Seriously, Will and I have been looking forward to doing this for uh, last month or so. So thank you so much for coming on, and uh, Hokie Nation is behind you, and they're looking forward to supporting you on Saturday. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Will, any uh, final thoughts? Nope. Just good good luck against Duke and good luck for the rest of the season. And, and I'm starting to get amped up. It, I know, am too. Yeah. You know, the I, I can't wait to see the uh, the match at uh, at uh, NC State. You said that's going to be on the ACC network, right? Yes. Correct. Yep. Cool. Yep. So, so I'm, I'm one of those guys that likes to watch his linear channel. You know, I can stream, but I prefer to – be able to tune into it with the with the remote so i'm looking forward to that yeah personally i'm looking forward to the saturday looking forward to being on the call for the final home duel of the season for virginia tech so, so you're going to be doing play-by-play for that i will i will yeah, yeah i'm looking forward to it so looking forward to seeing the moss art center and uh looking forward to being behind coach roby and the team the rest of the way here so uh that'll do it for episode 115 of the tech sideline podcast CXB. yep just show your ring where you got yeah there you there go, go. Uh, 
for those who listen to the podcast, we'll be back Monday morning, 9.30. Chris Coleman will be back. We'll be talking about Virginia Tech men's basketball, the signing day period for football, all that and more coming up on Monday. Again, that'll do it. Episode 115 of the Tech Sideline Podcast for the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart, behind the scenes producing. On the podcast set, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, Virginia Tech wrestling coach, Tony Roby. I'm Evan Hughes, your podcast host, saying so long. Thanks so much for listening and watching. This has been Episode 115 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm.